When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Anyone remember how close Ray Shiro came to signing both Zach Parise and Ryan Suter a few years ago? Yeah, maybe it's a good thing he didn't. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Our man, Billy G, Bill Guerin. Now, of course, the general manager of the Wild, stunned people in St. Paul and all around the hockey world by buying out both Parise and Suter yesterday. No one saw that coming, in particular because although there's a cap savings to the wild over the next couple of years, they'll still end up putting down $15 million of dead cap hit three years from now. And that's just... You you have to want so badly to clean the slate, to start over, to do something like that. And I, I give... Billy credit. Um, Parise and Suter weren't his signings. They were Chuck Fletcher's signings with a big, big assist to Craig Leopold, the owner. They made an unprecedented financial commitment for that franchise. They had the whole coming home to Minnesota thing going on, and and it was supposed to be the wild finally making their statement. They were finally going to be a player on this scene. It wasn't just going to be Marion Gabarik and a bunch of whoever's who played for that team. This was going to be it. No more Jacques Lemaire trap. They were going to be exciting and everything. None of it. None of it worked. I mean, Parise and Suter weren't disasters there, but they weren't stars. It, it, it's certainly not Parise. I mean, Suter was at least, you know, you know, a, a decent number one defenseman. And, and I say that respectfully. Parise was not ever going to be that level of player who's going to be worth that kind of money year in and year out. Each one 
13 years for $98 million. 13 years in hockey. I mean, that's the kind of deal that you can see a, a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball put together and you wouldn't really raise an eyebrow. But in hockey, in a cap system, wow, just no, no. And I, I'm here to revisit the past, partly in a told-you-so context, but partly in a sigh of relief context. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. Monthly cost of cable being over 200 bucks, Fubo TV is just 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Our listeners of this podcast get a special deal. Seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month if you go to FuboTV.com slash DK. No contracts, no catch, cancel anytime. FuboTV.com slash DK. The first part of this is the told you so, because I just have to get it out of the way. There are times in this in this business, especially when you do opinion like I do for a living, where you're going to put out something that no matter how much you believe it, you know it's going to be unpopular, you know it's going against the grain, and there are, in turn will be readers who think you're deliberately going against the grain. Like, oh, you just want to get everybody talking about what you're saying. And there are, believe me, are people who do that. I've tried never to be that person. I could not stand the concept of Parise and Suter coming to Pittsburgh because I saw the dollar figures that were involved. I'd watched Parise in particular be a, you know, a nice little player for the Devils, somebody you kind of liked, you know? And Suter was a little different. Suter stood out in his own way, but Suter also was part of arguably the best defensive pairing in hockey at the time when he was teamed up with Shea Weber in Nashville. And anytime that happens, you can't always be 100% sure who's the driver and who's the passenger. It turns out they're both really, really good defensemen. So again, I don't mean to lump Suter into this as much as I, as much as I do in terms of criticizing the Parise component of it. But these guys hadn't won anything. They hadn't really done anything. And they were supposed to just magically show up and take a franchise that also hadn't won or done anything other than bore people to tears and lift it up. And there was just no inclination of that. But, but even setting that aside, they were going to come to Pittsburgh. And the Penguins, I mean, yeah, they could have used something of a spark around that time. Uh, they weren't having the massive run of success that I think a lot of people had anticipated after the back-to-back appearances in the Stanley Cup Final in 2008 and 2009. And Shiro went after these two guys thinking that, you know, maybe they would be it. But Shiro had 
all kinds of personal biases as a GM. And I'm not guessing at this because these are things that he told me himself while he was here. He would draft defensemen, for example. This doesn't have anything to do with this, but just as an example, he would draft defensemen like crazy because he thought that they were undervalued in the market and he would just get them and trade them. Why? I don't know. It didn't really work out all that well for him. In fact, a lot of his better draft picks when you review them were the few forwards that he, he did take, you know, like Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, and so forth. But his biggest bias, by a mile, was that he was the ultimate American GM. Everything was USA, USA, USA. If he had a choice between this player or that player, and this player was maybe 90% as good as that player, but this player was American, Ray was taking the American. Well, here was the ultimate jackpot of American talent. Parise and Suter, both of them. Red, white, and blue. Ray was going to be able to invest in Americans and add them to his core of, you know, <laughs> Sidney Crosby, a Canadian, Evgeny Malkin, a Russian, Chris Letang, French-Canadian, Marc-Andre Fleury, French-Canadian. But we were going to bring in Americans, by gosh. And it turned out that because Leopold was just so starved to make an impact as Minnesota's owner, that he really wanted everybody to just see that he's the guy and they're finally taking chances that the Wild lost their mind with these contracts, in part because the Penguins were in this mix. Not 13 years, but they were up there. The dual package, everyone understood it was going to be two players or zero. And Ray was playing. If he succeeded... If he succeeded, I am here to tell you the very obvious thing. You'd never have seen these other two cups. You'd never have seen anything close to these other two cups that Jim Rutherford put together in 2016 and 2017. Jim Rutherford, in addition to having done a very, very good job as the GM here, to put it mildly, came with zero biases of any kind, at least none that I picked up. Uh, there were certain things and stereotypes and patterns that he was aware of as far as players and their nationalities and uh, you know, certain uh, countries' programs emphasize skill more than others, others stress defense and goaltending and whatever. So you're thinking of defensive players, you're thinking of Sweden. If you're thinking of goaltending, you're thinking of Finland. If you're thinking of skill players, you're thinking of the Czech Republic or Russia. Rutherford was always aware of those. But he didn't turn it into a waving the flag bias, which is basically what was going to happen here. Shiro was. The Penguins were saved from themselves by the wild signing these guys. And no, by the way, please don't ask if the Penguins should chase these guys. No. No, 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 no. When we come back, just one question.
Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you, as always, by our good friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they are recommitted to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. When I say recommitted, I'm referring to their rebranding, which you can find out about at pittsburghfoodbank.org. And, oh, by the way, while you're there, feel free to contribute to the cause. pittsburghfoodbank.org. Org. Today's question comes from, I'm going to find it here, there he is, Tim Hemis, who asks, what would be a successful offseason for the Penguins with free agency and the expansion draft? I've gone over the expansion draft this week, Tim. To me, what would be the ideal outcome is if Seattle takes one of the higher-priced players off the roster. The Kraken can afford it, doesn't mean they'd want to. I would be looking at Jason Zucker in that sense. Maybe even Marcus Pedersen, because you know there's a ready replacement for Pedersen in P.O. Joseph. But I don't think it's going to work out like that. I do think it's going to end up being Teddy Bluger. As far as the offseason overall, free agency and so forth, I would look singularly at goaltending. I I hate to be that guy that's just the one-note symphony here, but I would not understand how Ron Hextall could enter next season. And I mean enter. I'm underscoring that with the same two goaltenders as what finished the season. That's not a slight on Casey DeSmith. Casey DeSmith has shown himself to be a fine and workmanlike backup goaltender who can occasionally put together a nice little stretch. But he's not going to be your plan B in a playoff, and that's what's needed right now. Either a plan B or a plan 1A while Jari is cast as a 1B. Another goaltender is needed. It's not going to be super easy. There are a lot of options in terms of volume, but I have a feeling that a lot of these older guys, not a lot, I should say, some of these older guys, the way we saw with Pecorine and his emotional retirement yesterday in Nashville, are going to be either stepping down or or moving into lower roles, for example, like a Yaroslav Halak, who's an unrestricted free agent. I would be looking a lot more at someone like Peter Mrazek, who I think would be the Penguins' best choice out of the class that's out there. Auntie Ranta is available. I suppose you could keep banging on Vegas's door about Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't think they'll let go of Robin Leonard, who signed for three more years at five per but there are goaltenders to be had what to me would be i shouldn't say unacceptable but at least questionable would be if hextall enters camp with this yes we believe in jari because as i've been stating a lot on this show you can't have Jari go through a whole season and succeed and excel, and, and while you still understand that doesn't matter at all 
because what happened to him this past season happened entirely, almost entirely, in the playoffs. You can't be waiting on pins and needles to see whether or not he'll be able to survive Game 1. There has to be either a push or a takeover. If they achieve that, Tim, that to me would be a successful offseason to answer your original question. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.